sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series. Here's the 0-1. This is going to be a tough play. Play it. The Cubs win the World Series. You are locked on Cubs. Your daily Chicago Cubs podcast. But we didn't come here to drink beer. We came here to win this ball game. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I said to the Uber boy, I said, take me out with the crowd. What's going on and welcome to another edition of Locked On Cubs. I am your host, Sean Sears. We are part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. We're the only daily Cubs podcast at the moment. We are recapping the Cubs 5-3 win over the Brewers here in this first game as Trevor Williams in his debut carries a no hitter through five innings. I actually did a lockdown live video shortly after the game. I think I said four innings in that video. It's a no hitter through five. Actually, the Cubs were actually no hit through three innings until they scored some runs in the fourth, uh, three home runs. Actually, we'll talk about that Williams and how special this day was, which also included his father in the stands and his family who happens to be a lifelong Cub fan. We'll recap the win in the first segment, preview Tuesday's matchup between Adbert Elzelai and Freddie Peralta on the mound in the second segment, and then we'll wrap up the show discussing the Cubs' new reliever they traded for Monday, sending James Norwood to the Padres. And uh, we'll also talk about the MLB reportedly choosing Colorado as the new site for the All-Star game. So all that and more here on today's episode of Lockdown Cubs, which is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Lockdown set you so in the first segment as we talked about cubs beat the pirates five or excuse me the pirates geez i keep wanting to say the pirates because trevor williams a former pirate pitched for the cubs today or yesterday but it's the brewers the cubs beat five to three williams looks great in that debut for the cubs as i mentioned carried a no hitter through five innings he pitched six innings two hits two earned runs two walks six strikeouts um looked pretty darn good um bullpen eh, did pretty well. Uh, Jason Adam did give up, unfortunately, a three-run shot to Omar Navarez. Uh, that really kind of put the Brewers back in business here. But the Cubs held hitless for the first three innings. In the fourth inning, they were able to break it up, though. Wilson Contreras hits a two-run shot after Ian Happ got on base with a walk. Uh, Javier Baez followed that up a batter later. There was an out. Baez hits a home run to straight right center field. The Cubs up 3 nothing, and then David Bodie. Back-to-back with Baez, he hits a home run his first of the year. All three hit their first of the year. Uh, Cubs then leading 4 nothing. Top of the seventh, though, Nomar of, no, excuse me, Omar Navarez hits a three-run shot with Christian Yelich and Avisail Garcia on base. Jason Adam left a, I couldn't tell if it was his changeup or his two-seam. They have similar spin. Either way, he left a pitch too high, got t- tagged up, was able to close out that inning, though. Still looked okay. Um... The stuff is there for Adam, I guess. I, I'm not a huge fan of him necessarily to get a strikeout, though. Um, but he's got the stuff that makes sense here. Andrew Chafin came in and was able to get four straight strikeouts, picks up a hold along with Adam here. And then Alec Mills came in for the save. Um, it was a different kind of approach to the bullpen from David Ross, who who said yeah, Craig Kimber was available, but it was pretty obvious the Cubs didn't necessarily want to go to him after using him two days in a row. Um, so they went with Alec Mills as the closer for that game. And I, I, I a strange approach. I guess he's only going to pitch an inning. I thought it was a little strange because you probably want Mills ready for Adbert Alzali for today in case Alzali was only able to go like four innings or something like that. Um, bullpen relatively rest up, rested up, though. You do have some options now, I guess. He only used 
two arms and Mills who could conceivably go, you know, another couple innings if necessary. Um, I guess it says a lot more about their confidence in Adbert, um, but it was a little strange. Uh, I was confused by the way David Ross was using his bullpen, and I have remained confused in the way he's operated with the use of his bullpen a little bit through that last year and even this year now to some extent. There's been some questions, but um, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt. Uh, seems like he knows how to balance and play these guys at different moments, but yeah. A little awkward. Um, this lineup looked a little bit different. They went right-handed heavy against Brett Anderson, and that made sense. So we should see Matt Duffy get his first start. Jake Marisnik was in the lineup here. Uh, Eric Sogart later on, though, crushed a triple that pushed another run across. I believe it was Ian Happ that scored on that triple. Um, you know, uh, weirdly, Eric Sogart has been kind of a shot in the arm in terms of uh, offensive production. He's had a couple of big hits, obviously a double that probably should have been a triple this time, a very clear triple. It was Jake Marinsic that scored by the way, not Ian Happ on that play. Um, but yeah, I mean the Brewers outside of that three run shot from Navarez, there really wasn't much offensive threats or few offensive threats. Um, the bullpen looks solid. This Brewer team is struggling to score runs. Yeah, we're talking about it. the Cubs scored five runs, but off of five hits, three of those hits, obviously home runs. Brewers have four hits, score just the three runs in the seventh off of that home run. You know, that was really the difference. We'll have to see. I, I can't imagine the Cubs are going to be scoring all their runs off of long balls this year, but it's nice to see that everyone's kind of contributing. Um, every day it feels like another person may be stepping up or having a good approach or good bats or just a nice hit. Um it's good to see, but there really wasn't much to break down from this game. For the most part, it was a, a, an outstanding performance from uh, Trevor Williams, who looked really good. Um, I thought it was a little bit um, too much there for Ross to try and squeeze out a couple more outs for Williams to go in the seventh. He, he pitched six innings. That was great. He didn't need to squeeze out any more of him. They did put out Williams. Adam came into a situation and immediately you know, gave up two hits and then a home run. Um so it, you get a little frustrated with that because it, it didn't feel like Williams needed to necessarily go. And I, I, I could tell Ross was probably trying to maybe squeeze another a couple outs or maybe another inning out of Williams um, to, you know, hold off on his bullpen. But, um, you know, you, you have nine guys in that bullpen for a reason there. You know, you, you should have the depth to be able to absorb three, three innings after your starter goes six innings and looks great. Um, so I thought that was a little strange, but um Hey, whatever. I mean, if Williams does it, we're all saying, oh, wow, seven innings. Trevor Williams, great. Even better start. You know, instead, it doesn't quite work out. Now we look at Ross and say, oh, you made the wrong decision. Um, I guess when you're looking at how well Williams was pitching, he was at 84 pitches when they did pull him. Uh, you know, you you could kind of see why that uh, why, uh, Ross decided to push that a little bit. But a good win against a Brewer team that's scuffling a little bit. Hopefully they can pick up another win here on Tuesday. We'll be previewing that matchup. Um, tomorrow, but I did want to point or in the second half, excuse me for today, not tomorrow, but I did want to talk about Wilson Contreras. He hit a two run shot. He got his first home run of the year, um, was one for three on the day, obviously scored that run, drove in two runs off that home run, his first of the year. Um, it was a good approach from Contreras. I liked what I saw from today's game, even though he had, um, he did get hit by a pitch turned out to be just fine. He was okay there. Um, I liked his approach. It felt like he was maybe a little bit less aggressive early on accounts and was getting those pitches he wanted and clearly drove that ball, um, that Brett Anderson gave him. So, uh, 
that was nice to see. Hopefully, it's a sign of things to continue to come for Contreras, but you could just tell the effort he's putting in late in games. He was hustling out a, a tough ground out that he almost beat out. You could tell Contreras is in the right mindset. He's not getting frustrated. He's not worried about anything at the moment. He's not scuffling. You could feel it last year. It was just kind of he was really just grinding and trying to make things happen. Not so much right now. You could tell he he knows the results are going to come. He's just giving Max some effort, and I I love that about Contreras. <laughs> it's hard not to get excited about a guy who's trying hard like that, but uh, when you see Contreras, obviously, looking the way he does and, and the numbers aren't quite translating yet, you, you have a feeling those are going to start moving the direction you want them to. Um, I wanted to say it was interesting. The Cubs have zero errors through four straight games to begin the season. First time since 1992. David Bodie did kind of boot a ball today or yesterday. They did to claim that as just a single is a tough play. He was trying to turn the double play, booted it, and ended up costing Williams some runs here, unfortunately. But hard to get mad at uh, Bodie when he he's <laughs> he's one of the reasons you're winning, especially when the the game was just four three. He was literally the difference at that point. So um, Bodie hopefully cleans things up. But offensively, it's nice to see David Bodie get these chances because he's he's looking good so far. So hopefully more things to come here, but this was an encouraging win on Monday against a team that that should probably be in the thick of things towards the end of the season in the NL Central. But before we jump to the second segment, I did want to talk more about Williams' dad, uh, Rich Williams. It was very cool. Um, his family, uh, the, the entire Williams clan was actually a few rows behind home plate, courtesy of Jason Hayward, who insisted on buying their tickets. Uh, Trevor's dad is a lifelong Cubs fan. He was so excited to watch his son. Uh, pitch on a mound that he uh, I guess what grew up as an usher at Wrigley Field uh so he talked about it you know he knows how special that mound is at Wrigley he'd seen a lot of special people go up there and, and do some very special things at Wrigley over his lifetime so for his son to step up there and and you know pitch he just beyond beyond excited and it sounds like Williams's dad is going to try and get to just put every start that Trevor has this year um so that's pretty cool but for a guy that grew up a Cubs fan worked as an usher his brother was uh the usher at the White Sox game he actually grew up he went to brother Rice and grew up on the south side um but became a Cubs fan because uh the way it worked I just heard this from Taylor McGregor actually on 670 the score um she was talking to Rich about this I guess the way it worked went back in the day for ushers they wouldn't let brothers work in the same facility so his brother got to go be the usher at the White Sox he had to go to the north side and ended up becoming a Cubs fan because of that and obviously it worked out great now that his son is pitching for those Chicago Cubs it's got to be a very cool feeling but you could just tell how uh, proud Rich was of his son and how excited he was to see his son uh, play for his hometown team it was just a really cool part of uh, what ended up being a really good Monday for the Cubs one reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money and you can use that for other important things like mortgage food why would you choose to spend 30, 50, nearly 100% more for the exact same part at a chain store or a new car dealership? For an example, a fuel pump for a 2005 to 2010 Honda, Honda Odyssey can cost $353 in an advanced big chain store. On Rock Auto, that's $216.79. Uh, awesome. Why would you spend more money for that? Crazy, right? RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto body parts and for hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. 
Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Lockdown Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Lockdown Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. But here in this second segment, we are, sorry, I just punched my mic. Everyone that just heard that in their headphones or car, I apologize. Um, <laughs> but here in this second segment, we're going to be uh, previewing the Tuesday night matchup, another 640 start for the Cubs. This time it's Freddie Peralta for the Brewers on the mound facing Adbert Alzale. Um should be a pretty solid matchup. Peralta, kind of a weird mixed sort of guy. He's a dude that uh, uh, that Crick Council will use as a starter or as a reliever to come in for a couple innings. So far through 2021, he's only pitched two innings so far. Uh, just a lot two hits, uh, three walks, six strikeouts, though. Um, so he, <laughs> he issued three walks, but he struck out the side still, though. Um, interesting. He's got nasty stuff. Uh, and... The short, truncated 2020 season, he had 47 strikeouts to just 12 walks and about 29 and a third innings of work. Uh, what? <laughs> um, in 85 innings, he struck out 115 batters and walked just 37. Gave up 15 home runs, had an ERA of 5.29 last year in 2020, 3.99. Uh, Peralta can freaking spin it, man. He can mow dudes down. He's a guy that I would be nervous about for the Cubs to face. Um, and looking at the numbers, it it, it pretty much predicates that. Um, <laughs> um, Chris Bryan in six games has never gotten a hit against Peralta. Uh, Anthony Rizzo in five games, an OPS of 600, not great. Javier Baez, six, game OP, six games, OPS of 666. Uh, Wilson Contreras in five games, OPSing a thousand. Hayward in five games, nine hundred. Jack, or yeah, Jack Peterson three games, six hundred, six sixty six. Uh, Marisnik in two games, OPSing a thousand. Uh, so small sample sizes. This could turn into some strikeouts. So I'm a little nervous. On the flip side, though, Alzali, um, majority of the Brewers have never seen him before. The only people that have had played appearances against him are Colton Wong, which came last year. Um, four games, batting a thousand. He actually did get a couple of hits against. Uh, Alzali, but it's never teed him up. And then uh, Yelich and Kane are the only other ones in this lineup that have seen Alzali before. Alzali. Um, but uh, so far, Colton Wong is the only projected batter at the moment that has ever faced him and gotten a hit. Yeah, he's batting a thousand. He's got an OPS of a thousand against him. But, uh, you know, that's a good sign for Alzali. Uh, it sounds like his slider has looked a little bit better. Um, that's pretty crucial to just his whole makeup. If, if Alzali's slider is, is working the way he needs it to. Everything else should pretty much work off of that pitch. Um, but looking at just his numbers so far, uh, I mean, he strikes out about 33% of the batters. Apparently he faces against the Brewers, according to MLB's uh, baseball savant. Uh, Peralta and Elzele, similar profiles, but Peralta's a little bit more, I think, polished of a, of a pitcher. His stuff is a little more trustworthy his command is really there um he strikes out about 54 percent of the batters he faces does not walk a lot of guys and when guys are hitting them they aren't really hitting him very well a 182 batting average a weighted on base percentage of 341 uh, his hard hit percentage is pretty solid alzale same type of thing here does not give up a lot of hard contact his hard contact rate is actually a little bit lower than Peralta um but the batting average creeps up a little bit uh caper nine and wall or strikeouts and walks not nearly on the same level as uh Peralta here teams are slugging about 280 against him though weighted on base percentage of 287 um 
you know, Alzale, his, his big thing is if as long as he's not walking guys, as long as he's throwing strikes and that slider is working for him, if he gets ahead in the count, he should be able to put guys away with that slider. Um, that's that's the whole plan there. Uh, the changeable work in every now and then, but pretty much it's, four, it's his four seam, his slider, and his changeable throw guys off. He's hoping to get a lot of swings. He gets a lot of whiffs, uh, whiffs a lot of batters, and uh, we'll see Peralta do a very similar thing. Peralta is incredibly good at whiffs. We're talking about Elsley at about 27.5 percentage of whiffing, so missing bats. Uh, Peralta 61.1. This is a guy that makes me nervous. Um, the good news is the Cubs can put their lefties in, so we'll see a Jack Peterson step in here. Jason Hayward will come back. He was having good at bats. Uh, maybe Eric Sogart gets a start. Um, I doubt it. Uh, but he's been swinging the bat well. Maybe get him in later in this game, try and get some lefties against Peralta. Uh, but he hasn't really been stretched out, Peralta. Um, and that's that's a good thing for the Cubs. Uh, looking at just his last five starts, through 2020 and 2019 or last five outings or so um, he's only gone six innings once and that was in 2019 against the Marlins uh, he hasn't really started uh, a whole lot so this will be pretty much it'll probably be four or five innings I would guess at most and then the Brewers will go to the bullpen um, so they won't have to face Peralta hopefully for the entire game assuming he's you know gonna pitch like he does throw a lot of strikes uh, throw a lot of balls in general um getting guys to hopefully swing and miss but if the Cubs can hopefully remain patient avoid some strikeouts and and push Peralta out maybe by the third inning uh, they did have some success against him last time they faced him uh, back in 2020 it's, uh, just three innings of work three hits four runs four earned runs excuse me two walks three strikeouts uh, but just three innings of work maybe the Cubs can get on top of Peralta uh, if he's going to walk guys that'll that's pretty much the key the Cubs only worked two walks out of him but uh, you know uh, that's that's pretty much where you're gonna have to you're gonna have to hope you push Peralta out and get to a guy that isn't named Devin Williams or Josh Hader. Um, <laughs> that's uh, that's probably the approach for the Cubs here. But uh, Peralta, a good pitcher, a guy that seems like he could maybe cause some fits for the Cubs. That's a little nerve wracking. Um, in terms of offensive side of the ball, though, um, there was no one in this lineup that really scared me yesterday. Not a ton of really good approaches from the Cubs or from the Brewers. Um, we did see, you know, like. Lorenzo Kane's going to be pesky. Colton Wong's going to find his way to be pesky. Omar Navarez does have some pop. We saw that Avisail Garcia can, you know, be a guy that sticks around in a count longer than I think people give him credit for sometimes. So this this offense could, you know, conceivably get at Alzale because um, that's my concern with him, at least, if he's not quite on. He did just use Alec Mills for an inning. And while I don't think an inning's going to keep him from being used in this game, I would think Ross must be really confident in what Adbert has at the on the mound this year and must think he's a guy that is ready to go. We've seen him. I mean, he was take, he was literally taking notes during <laughs> Jake Arrieta's start on Saturday. Uh, you could tell Azalea's a guy that's just trying to soak up all the information that he can, learn as much as he can. He's ready to go, and it's been clear he's been ready to go for a while now. The Cubs just haven't truly given him the shot, so they're finally doing that, and that's what this day is about. That's what Tuesday's all about, getting Azalea's shot to be this fifth starter to get into this rotation and to stick. It would be huge for the Cubs in terms of just this season for the future, for just the a success for their player development group to get someone like Alzale on this roster, sticking on this roster, being uh, starting every fifth day. Um, you know, we'll see. Obviously, he only got 21 in the third innings of work last year, but a 2.95 ERA, 29 strikeouts, 13 walks, allowed just seven earned runs on 12 hits. Alzale looks really good for the first couple innings. 
if he can continue to work out of some jams, keep his pitch count low, and just lean on that slider as his out pitch, he should be able to go five, six innings today for the Cubs, I think, especially against a struggling Brewers team where they're going to run into trouble, though, as Elsley isn't getting those calls, that slider isn't working the way he needs to. Suddenly, he's a fastball changeup guy. And that becomes a lot more predictable than a ball that can just absolutely tail away from right-handers or look like it's going to hit you as a lefty. So uh, that's really where this comes down to. Can Alzale work his way through five, six innings of work? Uh, that's really what I want to see. I want to see him put together a, a good start because it feels like he's had moments where, you know, he obviously his debut against the Mets struck out six guys. Um looked really good for about four innings and then started to fall apart. Even some of these starts he had against the Cardinals last year where he would go, you know, four or five innings in those uh, seven-inning makeup games. Uh, it, it looked okay, but you could just tell, like, you would be nervous if this game wasn't over by the seventh inning. Um, <laughs> um, you'd be worried about where Alzale was going to end up. Uh, so I'm hoping we can kind of see him navigate his way through his start. Um, Tommy Birch, when he came on our podcast a couple of years ago, he's a beat writer for the Des Moines Register and covers the I-Cubs. He said Alzale was easily the most talented pitcher of the I-Cubs uh, facility, but in terms of game management, getting out of trouble when he ran into problems, it, it became clear he wasn't quite sure how to gut out a performance, how to get through a start when your stuff isn't at its absolute best. That will be the deciding factor, whether or not Alzale becomes this fifth starter, becomes a regular rotation guy for the Cubs in the next few years. Um, if he can't, the Cubs could still play him up as a reliever. That slider-fastball combo ramped up for an inning would be pretty nasty, but clearly... Alzale has the makeup and the ability to be a starter. The Cubs are finally giving him that shot. Let's hope he can take advantage of it. Hey, Locked On fans. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, real updates on odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use the mobile app device to sign up today and receive 50% off on a welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKDOWN. Fantasy Baseball Addicts, you now have a new resource to give you an advantage in your leagues. Locked on Fantasy Baseball. It's a daily fantasy podcast hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Colon, who uses data and nearly two decades of fantasy baseball expert to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins. Follow Locked on Fantasy Baseball on the Odyssey app wherever you get podcasts. So here in this third and final segment here, we are talking about the Cubs making a trade with the Padres. They send James Norwood, a right-handed reliever, to the Padres for Darius Valdez, a 6'8 reliever who can toss the ball 100 miles an hour. Uh, man, do the Cubs love big dudes from the Padres that can throw really hard. Uh, they've acquired Brad Wick. Rowan Wick's maybe the one exception to that, but now they've got Valdez, who has thrown 103, 104 miles an hour before. Uh, absolutely electric stuff can strike out his strikeout rate at 25 years old right now, about 27.5% K per nine, a 4.23 ERA, but he's walking about 11.3% of the batters uh, that he's facing. And that, which he posted last year or 2019 since 2020 didn't happen was his best walk rate in three years. Uh, he's giving up 1.79 homers per nine innings for a reliever who just threw 55 and a third innings of work, nearly two home runs per nine inning as a reliever is nuts. That is not good. 
Uh, <laughs> but clearly, you know, Norwood wasn't going to figure it out with the Cubs. He probably needed to change the scenery. I'm sure Valdez is a similar prospect type of guy for the Padres. Brett Taylor wrote an article at Bleacher Nation talking about how this could have been a guy the Cubs were maybe scouting when they were looking at the Padres system during the U Darvish talks. Um, Valdez seems like a fun guy watching some of the video. He does have electric stuff. I saw him throw 102 uh, in live pitching um, on a video from Baseball excuse me, from Baseball America. Uh, he's one of the hardest throwers <laughs> that Baseball America had seen so far in 2021. And is a guy that clearly, uh, if the Cubs can find a way to get him to hone in his stuff, command his stuff, would be electric. But the Cubs have a lot of guys like that. Um, clearly, though, a dude at 6'8", who can toss the ball over 100 miles an hour is someone you're going to want to take a look at, and especially for the Cubs, who, who don't necessarily have a bunch of guys locked in in their bullpen. They're, they're open to taking on options. Valdez will probably get some time to work with the Cubs. He'll likely go to the instructional league and then uh, will find his way. And uh, probably it sounds like he was at double uh, A with the Padres in 2019. I would assume he probably ends up at double A AA or triple A for the Cubs this year as well. But um, a fun arm. Uh, Norwood now, I think he was the last of the Woods in the Cubs uh, pitching rotation. They are obviously the Travis Woods, Chat Woods, uh, Underwood, Norwood. Uh, no more Woods. Interesting, but end of an era, I guess. But uh looks like the Cubs picked up a decent arm. A guy that I'm excited to at least watch pitch a little bit. If he ends up at a South Bend, I'll definitely go see him. I doubt it. He'll probably end up in Tennessee, but uh, fun guy. So uh, we did get a report here that the MLB is reportedly moving the All-Star game. We do know they moved it officially out of Atlanta. It sounds like it could be going to Colorado. Um, this, of course, was in response to Georgia's new voting, uh, voting uh, laws that are going to make it now more difficult for people to vote the way they did in this past 2020 election. Baseball's response was pulling the All-Star game from Georgia, from Atlanta, and putting it apparently in Colorado. Um, what does this mean for everyone else? Not a whole lot. Denver's a cool city to host this in. Um, good for the Rockies. It's not like they're necessarily a fun team to watch right now, but they've got a great ballpark, and honestly, the Home Run Derby in Coors Field should be pretty fun. Um so that'll be kind of neat. I know a lot of people had said that they might just move up the All-Star game because the Dodgers obviously get it next year. Uh, just move it up to this year, but that didn't seem like baseball really wanted to do that. Um, I did hear some thoughts that like Milwaukee could have been a team that made sense, or Milwaukee could have been a city that made sense. Chicago was another one. Um, Milwaukee, I thought, made a lot of sense because of the Hank Aaron ties and things they could have done in that regard. I know there's a lot of people who are frustrated with baseball taking this from Atlanta. I know one of them is actually our Lockdown Braves host, uh, uh, Jake Masserani. Um, he's a Braves fan, too, as well as obviously covering the Brewers. And he just seemed really frustrated. He felt like this was an opportunity for baseball to um, maybe kind of use this spotlight to bring some attention to an area that that clearly not everyone in Georgia agrees with these voting laws. Um, but I, I just felt like it was a time to, you know, you don't need – your sport to be in that area. We don't need to be like patting <laughs> Rob Manfred on the back for making a no brainer decision. This is clearly going to be a very, just, you know, bring a lot of attention to baseball that they just didn't need to deal with. Um, and it, 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 uh, it has some, it has done so by, you know, moving this from the Atlanta area, but I, I think it was the right choice. I think that was probably the best decision they could have made putting it in Denver, you know, I don't, I don't. I guess what other options were there? We really didn't know, but it's not a bad move. I mean, I don't. At the end of the day, I don't really care. Um, but at the very least, like just the optics of being in Denver as opposed to Atlanta, uh, 
cool ballpark. Uh, both cool ballparks, but a cool area. Uh, Denver should be pretty fun to watch a home run derby in, too. So it'll be cool. Um, but that is our show for today, guys. Uh, we'll be having another another 640 start here Tuesday. It'll be Edward Alzale taking the mound versus Freddie Peralta. The Cubs will finish that game tonight, have one Wednesday 120 start, and then they will be heading on the road for their first road trip of the season. But uh, this Brewers team, at the end of the day, is still a team that plays the Cubs tough, plays them tight. Um, I want to see a Cubs team now that we've seen them win a couple games and kind of you know add these insurance runs, do things we haven't necessarily seen them do. I want to see them come out and just smack a team. Let's put up six, seven, eight runs and uh, give Elzelay plenty of cushion to just kind of do what he needs to do, get in his groove, and hopefully set himself up for a solid 2021 season. But that is our show today. We appreciate you guys listening here. You can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. Make sure you follow on the podcast on whatever podcast app you use, whether that's Google, Apple, Spotify, Odyssey. Wherever you're listening, make sure you're following. Leave a five-star review. And you guys, enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy some Tuesday Night Baseball. And as always, go Cubs. <laughs>